0: Hello, hello. You're listening to Unplug the Podcast with me, your host, Super Simone 365. Hi, I'm just jumping on to let you know that we've changed the name from Unplug to Disinfluencer. Everything's the same. We just changed the name. So there'll be reference to that. We did it in April 23. Enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, welcome to today's episode, a very special episode Today is October the 18th, 2022 And today it has been, it is, the 10 year anniversary of my son's kidney transplant (sighs) Wow, I don't, I want to like do all these things and feel all these things But I'm just like, whatever, it's just another day, you know um well, I guess i I posted on my own Facebook page you know i I think at the start of the year, I had some fantasy of going to Fiji, like going on a holiday, just spending time together with the family um and that has definitely not happened and then another part of me is I was kind of thinking how how great it is that it's not a big deal because how precious is just the everyday, you know, you know what I mean. I'm getting really DM ish, but it's just a gift to be caught up in the everyday, the the daily grind. Um a gift denied from many people. Anyway, um I was gonna do two episodes about the kids about our family and um I'm gonna mush them together. And I don't know where to start with telling the story because sometimes I think about it and it seems like a dream. It seems like so surreal that all that happened and it was so long ago. And then sometimes, like this morning, I could... Like, I can remember the day of his translate. You know how you remember, like, smells and stuff that take you back to places? Like, I remember... I remember the lights I was in, my husband was his donor. So we had to drop him off by dropping off. We were living at the hospital. So he was in adults and there's like a secret corridor to children's hospital. So we all had to drop him off. Um, and we went to like the adults waiting room that I'd, we'd never been to before. And I just thought the lights seemed super bright. I don't know. It's just a weird thing. And I would like, like it's a sign they're like glowing goodness onto us that's the shit you tell yourself um and then I remember dropping I remember there was four hours and 13 minutes exactly they were both in theater like um husband went in and then we a few hours later um well not a few hours later like they were both in together and then husband was out (laughs) I could not find him when he got out Like they rang me and they're like, he's on the ward, and I couldn't find him anywhere. And I was freaking out, I was so stressed. I'm like, Where is he? They've lost him. (laughs) Adults is very different to children's. And I did find him. He met the governor general and he was off his face. It was hilarious. He's like, Don't worry about me. Go get some Thai food. I'm like, Okay, weirdo. I've got to go. And then, um, yeah, the operation for both of them was a success but in saying that you know it's not a cure it's just a form of treatment and then you know we we went home I think maybe five weeks later and then it was probably a couple of months later um everything changed with B1's health with his body like he could climb he could do things um, he was he still got a pretty um weak core I believe because of all the operations and a year he had nine months of hemodialysis before his transplant he was four right he was four now this is why I wanted to talk about both of them so our daughter is now four she's four and a half and again I wrote on my Facebook page today like you know, she's never spent a night in hospital. Now, she was actually born at 25 and a half weeks. So she spent seven months. We spent seven months in NICU. She spent seven months in NICU. And it was kind of horrific. But anyway, we'll get to that. So back to B1. So yeah, we got him his transplant. We went home. And then, you know, his development wasn't... It wasn't up to... I don't know what anything was because I just he was so sick he was so sick he was so sick it's pretty sad to think about it and I think when he was so sick you know we didn't do like we did stuff but every day it was just his health like every day was you know we had to he was on like really weird diets because of his kidney stuff, um, he was fluid restricted. He was nasal gastric fed, like all the things. It was just, like I said, I say this out loud now and I, it seems like a dream. It seems like it wasn't real, but then I can see the photos and I know it was. And then um, what we did, what I did when after his transplant, we moved back home. We lived here, there and everywhere, but we, we got to go back where I wanted to live, which was really great and I like I said I started um the business in t- like 10 years ago 11 years ago so it was probably it was in like a really big growth phase of the business like I remember we we were on 60 minutes and I was when B1 went into he got really sick he got pneumonia um and he was airlifted to Sydney he was really sick it was really scary um and they that's when they started he was He was sick with pneumonia and then that tipped him over into renal failure. Now, he had his transplant booked. The date of his transplant was booked two years earlier. So unlike the TV shows where it's like, oh, I've got a kidney problem and next week they're having a kidney transplant. It definitely doesn't work like that. Um, If you have a living donor, if the living donor is a match, there's like mountains of tests you have to go through. Um, And then basically, you know, don't quote me, but they can usually only do like one or two transplants a month. So there's these kids that need transplants that are on the wait list. And then obviously there's things like, um, like I remember when we were in Brisbane, there was a kid that was in like a really bad car accident and like needed a transplant. So that kid got a transplant like straight away. Like life or death stuff, you know, like accidents and emergencies. Like that's what accident and emergency is for people. Not you couldn't be bothered to go to the GP, so you're going to go to A and E and complain that you have to sit there for six hours. Anyway, I digress. So yeah, so when he um just before he was six, he was diagnosed with his um. So it was a year, a year later, he was like officially diagnosed at Westmead with his um. With autism and his intellectual disability and it was quite it wasn't a shock but it was like f-, f word like we just got through all of that and that was just everything like our day like every day every meal time all the medicine like all that and I was like this is it like where we've got a chance we're gonna go and live happily ever after so naive naive Samoon, and then to get all that diagnosed and I guess what was hard for me was not that I didn't know what I was in for but I knew what I was in for like oh here we go we're now different again and have to go and learn a new system and battle a new system and you know sit on the sideline again while getting a bit teary you know while everyone's out doing their things we're like Not. anyway so what I did (laughs) um I I turned to gratitude and I threw myself um sorry I'm all over the shop before his transplant I don't know if it was before his transplant I decided to do a book a storybook um I am a graphic designer as you know so what happened was when he was diagnosed in Alice Springs I remember our friends, we had friends that, friends, you know, when you go to baby class, like learn how to have a baby, whatever that's called. We had like a cool group of friends that we sadly aren't really connected to anymore. Um, yeah, they're someone's parents were doctors. So anyway, when he was diagnosed, it pretty much happened. I should tell you that story. couldn't be bothered. It's like depressing. Um <laughs> It's not depressing. It's just like, whatever. Um, he was diagnosed like pretty much within a day. He was very sick. The doctor did say to me, this is what happened. I was in Alice Springs and I went to the community nurse. He had splints on and she took, them. they came off finally after four months. And she did his weight and, you know, whatever they do at community nurse, weight and measurement. She's like, oh, she's like, oh, I think you should go see the GP. Now in Alice Springs you can't see, you can see a GP, but you just can't, like, I'm going to call and go see the GP this afternoon. Like, no. Um, And she's like, I've actually rang the GP. She's expecting you. And I'm like, oh, okay, awesome. So off I went to the GP. (laughs) And then the GP, like, did the same thing. Like, did some weight and they looked at him and stuff. And then the GP's like, oh, I've rang the hospital. I've rang the pediatrician. They're expecting you. And I'm like, oh, so you can't see the GP and the the peed at hospital dr rose um the mystical dr rose because everyone knew there was a peed at hospital but everyone also knew like unless you chop your arm off like you're never going to see the peed at hospital or if something's really bad (laughs) you get to see the peed so i'm like oh okay and then i remember i went to the hospital this is all in the same afternoon and i'm standing there with b1 in my arms this four-month-old baby and she's like oh she hadn't even said anything hadn't even looked at him she's like you need to take a seat i'm like no it's cool like she's like you need to take a seat you need to call your husband i'm like oh, okay and then like what they had what they did was she's like she just said your baby's very sick we're not sure what's going on but your baby is very sick so we're going to do some tests and blah 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 so anyway they did all that and yeah pretty much via Adelaide he was diagnosed so um he was he had this really distended belly and he wasn't probably meeting those milestones like weight growth or whatever um but in saying that he was like eating sleeping doing all the things anyway so not like went to clinic at hospital every two weeks cuz he had the splints on like um, looking back, it's very obvious. Even in my pregnancy, he's got a congenital disease, which means like a genetic disease. So from day dot, he had this disease, um, and had just been missed. Anyway, so um, I don't know what part I was up to. Yeah, so when he was diagnosed that day, I pretty much got handed a poverty leaflet of his disease. It was actually literature from hospital in London and I just remember reading um what's the word what's the word when you they say could can can be fatal that's what it said can be fatal will require a transplant by age of six and I just and then you know I was thrown into this world so pretty much two days later um he was we were flown to Adelaide <laughs> I thought we'd be gone for a few days. We I never went back to Alice Springs. Had like my laptop and a bag of clothes. Went to Adelaide, had six he had six months of life saving treatment. Um and then we moved to Brisbane. So that experience and in saying that I've gotta say there was a charity in Alice Springs that um helped us. And of all the people that have helped us, I can never, I want to speak to the founder of that charity. And I will one day when I go to Alice Springs, I'm going to go find her, but I'm like too emotional. Even now I get emotional thinking about it. Um, And then we flew on a Royal Flying Doctor's flight. So we had to fly low, like not high up in the sky, like low because he was so sick. The air pressure would have like wasn't good I'm not explaining it right that's the only way I can explain it because I remember like being in Alice we just moved from Perth to Alice and we are from New South Wales so we have been flying around and all that stuff but that flight from Alice to Adelaide on that Royal Flying Doctors flight was like gosh I reckon it was like four hours that's ridiculous maybe three maybe two I don't know it was ages and it was really like like, you know when you're like landing and you can see like paddocks and houses and people's clotheslines and like that's how close we were to the ground I wasn't like patchwork and a blob of color anyway so when the first thing I guess I did and probably back to you before and this is why it's really important to have to tell this story because I'm a creative person and not about being ambitious. Like I like to do stuff. I like to keep busy. I like to be creative. I love design and layout. I love making books. I've just done a big job in Perth where I made a 352 page book. Um, that was epic. And that was my jam, right? So again, we're talking early, mid 2000s, pre-digital economy, creativity stuff. And, um, when we got, we got connected to all the people, we did get a lot of support. Like Josh has had a starlight wish, like we've done all the things. Right. And I just felt, um, I wanted to give back and this is a way I could. And I wanted to tell stories about these people and these families we'd met along the way. Sorry, I need a drink. I'm doing that annoying thing where I said I wouldn't get a drink. now I actually have to get a cup and get a drink so um when you see like hang on it's so bad it's very noisy i'm like i'll record because it's not noisy now like there's noise i'm the noisiest um now i forgot what i was gonna say like there's all these amazing charities that's what i was gonna say and you see like There's a reason for this for so many charities because I think when you look at kids that have a disease or a cancer or something, it's like some like one in 100,000 disease, right? So you don't fit in any buckets. So people go through these journeys and they're like, well, I'm going to create a charity. So the next person that comes along with this doesn't have to go through what I go through. And so when you see all these charities asking for money, if you can support them, because that's why they exist. Anyway, I wanted to do a storybook because I wanted anyone um, especially kidney disease, like I didn't know much about kidneys, and again, naive Simone, like there's so many kids waiting for kidney transplants, for all transplants, liver transplants. And people think kidney disease is like an old person disease. But there's kids with genetic diseases or kids that get cancer. Like, it happens. And a lot of people are like, um, you don't need, they don't use transplants from other kids either. It's an adult transplant. um, Kidney and liver live donor you can do live donor donations you can't obviously do a heart or eyes or any other bits um and yeah so it's really important so have that conversation too about organ donation you know do you want to donate your organs because again it could save someone's life anyway for me I wanted I didn't I wanted to create this beautiful book like everything you see is so medical it's blood and guts that they tell you the worst case scenario and I I understand why but I wanted to do something so people that were told to sit down I'm laughing but it's not funny um a book of hope and inspiration and I again even with Josh's um other disabilities like we're just people we're just people like people with hopes and dreams and creativity and we've got passions for things and you know when you get stuck in hospital and stuck in the system it sucks and then you meet all these amazing people that have kind of walked your path or on a similar journey I think there's someone at my door and um yeah so I did this book the book was epic so I did this book and I got, um, it's beautiful. I got Kidney Health Australia to print it and produce it. And what I did, and this is a big firm, this is something I'm really believing is, and something that, you know, if you know this about me, it would make a lot of sense. A lot of people are like, if you give me a handout, I'll be able to do this, where it doesn't work like that. And I thought with, um, with the book, It's like, I'll actually just make it. Like, I had it paginated and everything. I'd be like, here's this book. All you need to do is print it. I did speak to them before that. But do you know what I mean? Like, and if they didn't, I would have found another way. It wasn't like, I've got this idea, so agree to help me and then I'll go off and do it. That's the same in business as well, right? Just one of, there's lots of parallels here. And then I... um, I did this book. It was epic. I won a fancy award. That was even more epic. And then, yeah, we kind of trotted on. But when my daughter was born, can you hear that? So noisy. At 25 and a half weeks, I'd actually taken B1 to his clinic in Sydney. And I drove down via Canberra to go to an appointment that it's kind of weird. I wasn't I went to my 20, I'm going to say my 24 week scan, um, which I don't know if I was supposed to have a 24 week scan. I was 42 years old, right? When I had B2. So I'm like an old pregnant lady. So maybe I did. And, um, yeah, so I went to that scan and I'm having my, like ultrasound and, uh, you know, my trusty little sidekicks with me and the ultrasound lady I could see it in her face and she had like an assistant like a learner person with her and forever I'm like I don't want the learner people they're like I've done all that like you know how you get the training doctors and stuff like like sometimes I'm just like no because I've seen like seven bazillion doctors and I don't want to be like anyway the training like doctor doctor not doctor the training person was there and she's like oh can you can you go grab the doctors I'm like okay cool and then um they put me in a room like in a little side room thing and I was there all day and I'm like I'm gonna get booked I'm hungry I've got to go home like blah 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 I'm just there forever and then they came back to me and they're like okay we've got your bed and I'm like I'm sorry what they're like, yeah, you're getting admitted, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, what? Like, they hadn't even really told me what was going on. Um, and then they're like, yeah, you have to go on bed rest, you have to be, you, your cervix is open, and I'm like, okay, so I like rang my husband, I'm like, you're like, you have to come, I don't know what's going on, so. Yeah, that was like a real big shock. And then um, I went into labor two and a half weeks later and it was a pretty horrific experience. Like um, I remember just probably four days earlier, I had to make, so from 24 to 26 is called the gray zone. And I had to have the talk with one of the doctors, like, what do you want to do? after delivery do you want to resuscitate like just like fuck what (laughs) like I hadn't even bought any baby stuff yet you know I didn't even have a cot didn't even have anything like was just like so spun out and then what happened was um when I went into labor that morning I just like I just had a lot of back pain and I just knew and then um I had to have like that magnesium shot which is actually like a two-hour slow magnesium, um, like, injection thing. But even that, they're like, nah, yeah, like, I think I did 45 minutes. I was already having the steroids and all the things anyway, but I went in, I was fully under, and my my poor husband, um, he had to, like, from the time he got the call to getting to me, um like I woke up in theatre and I had some photos on my iPhone and then I got wheeled up to Nicky, like wheeled up, I was like in a bed, um, wheeled up to Nicky and then he was there with our son and then we started that <laughs> Nicky journey. Jeepers. And then, you know, I had had a really hard time with like, cause I was, I was still working. I had a really big Contract I was negotiating, which I got somehow. I don't know how. Like no one really knew. I had to like ring and tell people. That's the worst. Ringing and telling people. I remember when, in Alice, I just was like pacing up the corridor in the hospital. I'm just ringing people. I'm just like, oh, you know, we're gonna like, you know, he's sick. And people are like, oh, you know, he'll be right. What do you mean? I'm like, no, no, his his kidneys don't work. Like he needs a kidney transplant. And people are just like what <laughs> and you're like and I can't even explain it because I don't even understand myself so kind of had to do all that again with her which was awful and then um yeah was still working which was kind of a godsend because I was back living in Ronald McDonald house which is was actually for the mums like a On the level below NICU so it was in the hospital it wasn't like a separate building outside a hospital. Now I have lived in four Ronald McDonald houses they're great Adelaide, Brisbane, Sydney (laughs) and now Canberra and I just stayed there for a bit like been there for months so this was another seven month stint and I just pretty much sat in my room because I couldn't I couldn't like I couldn't do this again like I couldn't go and tell the story of what happened and all that and you hear people like the first time around and it's like I've heard these stories before like and I don't want to tell my story because it's like I know what all these things mean and I don't like I just couldn't do it so I just kind of hid in my room it was either in Nikki or in my room but what I did do is I dived into I found somehow like the Minimalist and Ryan Holiday The Daily Stoic And I just dived into that, I had two counsellors I had the hospital counsellor who was Friggin amazing and then I did online counselling Because I'm like this is fucked And I need to like get my head right So I don't like implode um, So I did a lot of work on myself And I just kind of um, I don't know Managed to survive that I did have some pretty traumatic And horrific things that happen and I'll tell you one thing Um, my daughter there's her left eye is a bit iffy they thought she was blind in her left eye but she isn't and um, the hospital did something which I thought was pretty shit and um, had a big kind of blow up with the ophthalmologist and I told them I didn't want to see him anymore I'm like get another doctor Like no I'm not dealing with this ass clown Like no thanks Anyway I was in NICU And I was in They had like a It wasn't like a tea room I don't know it was just kind of some room And I was in this room And the op- the two ophthalmologists had met You have, to, It's like security right There's like a big door You have to get beeped in Um Anyway, so the the ophthalmologist from Sydney came in and was speaking to the other ophthalmologist in the corridor and they're talking about me and I can hear them and they're talking and this ophthalmologist is like this mum. She's a bit aggressive, like she's a bit, you know, on edge and like talking about me because they are now walking to this meeting room to have a meeting with me and I heard everything they said. I'm like, fuck you guys. Like, so I walked into that meeting And I sat down and I just said to both of them, I said, I've just heard everything you've said about me. They both shit themselves. It was actually classic. But that's kind of like the shit you have to deal with, right? Like I'm there by myself. I'm so far away from home. I've got this baby NICU. And to these doctors, you're just like a patient on the list that, you know, I'm an aggressive mum because, you know, they did something that I wasn't a really good result and I wasn't happy about it and what am I supposed to just not say anything a lot of people wouldn't say anything but again because I'm a seasoned pro I did say something anyway the joys this is the shit you have to deal with right anyway did all that got home and um yeah back to B1 talking about you know (laughs) I took a photo of them yesterday. They were just sitting on the floor together playing just like one of those random cute snap photos. And I was thinking like she's never – she is his age when he was having hemodialysis. And I'm like, she's never been to hospital. (laughs) She lived in hospital for seven months. But do you know what I mean? Like she hasn't been sick. Like hasn't touched wood i lie. she's been sick all winter from daycare and given me every gooby-goober goober on the planet. But, you know, she's not, like, to me, that's what I mean. That's another way I'm broken. Like, that's, like, sick and annoying. But sick to me is, like, life and death. Like, I have no grey area. It's like nothing or get the team of doctors and have a meeting. You know, I don't know anything else. So I always like, go to the worst. Anyway, um, about five years ago, we did a trip to Disneyland. I feel really guilty. We have all the photos on our fridge because it was epic. And um, our daughter, <laughs> I put a photo of her up on there because she's like, look, there's me. Because she's not in any of the photos. And I remember when after transplant, you have to have all this medication. And because of Josh's... Um, disabilities you know i can't give him tablets one of his medicine is refrigerated um and this is his immunosuppressants right so i give them to him religiously 12 hours apart every day never miss anything and um yeah so we go on this trip to america and i was so stressed i was so stressed out i i had backup medicines. I had all the letters from the doctors because I had like a travel with a little Esky. I'm the queen of traveling with medicine, like locally. Like I do a lot of travel for work and stuff and he's like tagged along with me. So I always have all these meds with me. And then we went like, flew Sydney to San Fran, stayed in San Fran, went to Vegas, went to LA and come home. Not one person like checked my medicine or checked anything in my little bag which like was kind of something I stressed about so much but we went to Disneyland on the eve of Halloween which was epic but I remember when we went to um, the first day of Disneyland we went there for a couple of days like we had passes for both for a couple of days but the first and this only happened on the first day which is kind of really special On the first day, they did like a countdown at the gate, like 10, 9, 8. It was epic. And I remember B1 running in and like all the kids, like Goofy was there. I don't know if it was Goofy. I think it was Pluto. And like the only character there, like just as you walk in, there wasn't that many people. And all the kids like just chasing him and then he's running and all the kids squealing. And like he was up there running with all the kids. And I swear I could have like died and like. Gone to heaven that day like that memory is so precious like he was so happy and we had the best time and I'm just sitting here looking at the pictures because I remember um it was kind of our not our gift to ourselves, but it was like a dream also secretly my dream to go to Disneyland but in saying that we went on the Ruby Princess we were on the ship before the pandemic. So you know how that ship came to Sydney and they let everyone off. We were on the cruise before that like please the the for, like a week before that. So we went on that cruise um with <laughs> on a cruise with a baby. It was hilarious. We love cruising because we went we did a starlight wish for um starlight yeah for his wish he wanted to go on a ship to Tasmania. That was what he wanted. I didn't want to tell him like he kind of understood but that's what he picked. So I think he maybe wanted to go on the spirit of Tasmania. But we found like I didn't know, but you can go from Sydney to Tasmania and that was epic. Um yeah, but when we came back from the cruise, like I remember we we're driving back home and it was all kind of smouldery and that was the beginning of the bushfires and then the pandemic took over and then today is the day it's the 18th of October and there's my life story so I just wanted to share that with you because like I said I've done all that and accidentally not accidentally well accidentally started a business um with everything I was telling you about the kids being in hospital like I was working so imagine if I had a job I wouldn't have a job I probably probably would have been okay but I wouldn't have like what do you get for- day sick leave a year a week I'm out you know um and it's not ideal but that's what a lot of people do a lot of you guys listening you know this like that's why we're all here because um and I back to that kind of notion is I'm still a person like I've got some really great skills like I said I'm a graphic designer I love graphic design for print I had like my first job out of uni my boss was like a psycho He used to make, make me print out separations People in the industry will know what that mean And I'd worked in an ad agency Where we used to ship bromite, So I knew the stuff But everything I did had to be Like I had to print out the steps To make sure it was right I Like he was painful But it was actually Put me in good stead for my career Moving forward Especially in the print industry And then now I can do all our graphics You know I'm I'm currently learning How to do reels for my new startup and um it's like I love this stuff you know I love the creative freedom I get to have with my work it's probably my favorite thing anyway I just wanted to tell you that story because I think it's important um that you know a little bit about me and the kids and and I was trying to say to people today well I did say it like people like oh how do you do it And it's like, you would do it if you had to do it. You know, don't ask me how I do it. Ask me how you can help me. How can I help you guys? Like, that's the question to ask people. Who can I connect you with? What do you need? Is there anything, you know, I can point you in the direction of? That's what you need to ask because, you know, I wish I didn't have to do it. But I'm not going to go down that path of what if or whatever because this is my life not a tv show or something anyway rambling so I'll go bye I'm hiding in the bathroom I've just come home from school pickup and I just wanted to add this quick point regarding my daughter and her eyes it's quite contentious it's a bit of a touchy point so she's got a wonky eye right she wears glasses And I'm raising a fierce, independent young woman, but I know people are gonna like tease her because of her wonky eye. And I just, for all the people out there, you know, people with disabilities, it's such, like you don't know what people have overcome. Like she's gonna be picked on because she's got a wonky eye and I have to be conscious of that and raise her to be Um, not okay with that but when people like make fun of people with disabilities you're like you don't understand what they've been through what their families have been through so just don't like don't you know like I said ask say hello speak to us normal include us ask us what can we do to help you and while I'm at it with b1 and with um late last year he got really sick and i left him at hospital it's the first time ever he's got a phone so he can call me and stuff first time ever and then i got the dreaded midnight call and they were going to airlift him somewhere they were going to airlift him to canberra and i was saying to the doctors i'm like like i went up to hospital and i'm like You can't send him to Canberra. Like, because I knew if they sent him to Canberra that he'd get to Canberra and they'd be like, well, we've got to send you to Sydney. I'm like, please send him to Sydney. You've got to send him to Sydney. Like, it was horrific. And in the middle of the night, they they thought he was having an appendicitis. They didn't know what was wrong with him. He was just sick. Just sick. (laughs) He had a virus, but he's he wasn't good like he had his heart was funny and his numbers were weird and he was like having like high temps and his body was doing you know the joys this is what happens with immunosuppressants and immunosuppressed kids um and yeah so i'm i'm i wasn't arguing with the doctor but i just knew and i i am the first, i do not google anything Um, and I am led by the doctors they know best but sometimes mum knows best too and sometimes you know just because they're a doctor you don't have to like you can if you've got you know that gut feeling or you want to say something like say it and that's all I wanted to say okay bye hey thanks for listening we're on instagram at on.plug. we only have insta for now but you can also go to our website which is in the link in our insta bio and get in touch if you want to if you want to know more about the marketplace you want to be on the podcast you have a podcast for us if you want to support us if you just want to say hello just find us on instagram or here and say hello Bye. Bye.